It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. How would you define the word worldview? Do you ever hear that word worldview? Because more and more that term is being used in the news, it's certainly finding its way into a lot of articles, and whether you are familiar with the term or whether you've heard the term used, um, I assure you worldview, worldview, is something that has touched your life and is touching your life. In fact, I would say nationally, we are really in a battle of worldview. View. We're going to talk about that, and I want to say we have got a great program. Friends, if you're listening to The Line of Fire right now, you, tu- you tuned in on the right day. We have got a big show. Alex McVarland here. I'm so honored to be sitting in for my friend, Dr. Michael Brown. Uh, Dr. Brown is traveling, and uh, we, he and I have been buddies for 20 years, maybe 20 years plus. And whenever he uh, invites me to sit in, in his stead. I'm very honored to do that. And we're coming to you live from Nashville, Tennessee, Music City, uh, but we're not here for music. We're here for the National Religious Broadcasters Convention, and uh, American Family Radio is here and graciously running the board, and we're going out and just so happy that you're listening. And I'm going to give the number. Um, we can take some calls. Later in the show, you're going to meet a man named uh, Steve Strang, and he's an author. He wrote a number one best-selling book a couple of years ago called God and Donald Trump. Well, Steve Strang has a new book out called God, Trump, and the 2020 Election. And I predict it's going to be a big bestseller as well as that first one was. And we'll bring him on and a few other things. Jim Bolthouse of the Presidential Prayer Team. And that's a ministry that I I want you to know about. But for a minute, I want to talk about worldview. Because worldview is sort of the foundation and the origin. Well, not sort of, but really is the the reason that we're kind of in the, the, the... I don't know, uh, cultural struggle that we're in, you know, as, as a nation. A lot of people, they, they talk about, you know, well, uh, you're phobic. You know, if, if you're for traditional marriage, it must mean that you're homophobic. Or if you believe in binary views of gender, you believe in a male and a female, and you don't really accept transgenderism, maybe you're transphobic or something like that. If you Don't believe in Islam. You're Islamophobic. And we need to help people understand, for those of us that for principled reasons, we don't believe in political correctness, we we don't believe in, in, in relativism and pluralism, we need to help people understand that we do positively, we have reasons for what we believe. This country has reasons for the policies and laws and constitutional precepts that we've had. And and also, let me say this, it's time that we stop. We stop letting the left uh, control the debate by merely calling us haters or phobic. You're, you're, you're hateful and you're jealous, and you're, you're afraid of what you don't understand. 
Uh, that, no, that, that just doesn't work. That doesn't nullify 2,000 years of Western Civ. It certainly doesn't negate 242 years of the American Constitution and, well, America and then American jurisprudence. Certainly, uh, when a Christian says Jesus is the only way to heaven, uh, and somebody says, well, you're just Islamophobic, uh, merely uh, giving what's called uh, an ad hominem attack. Ad hominem means to the man. Uh, they're not attacking our substance. Remember, the tomb is empty. Jesus rose from the dead. And the non-Christian can throw out a, a volley and say that we're phobic. Uh, no, uh, we believe that the empty tomb proves Jesus is the Son of God. So, folks, we're in a battle of worldviews. And if you're a, a, a born-again Christian, I hope you are, uh, and if you're not, uh, reach out. We'd love to talk to you about Christ. But if, if you love God and country, and we do, then we need to understand that we're in a battle for worldview. I mean, we really are. And I want to define worldview. How would you define that? Maybe you've heard that, that term thrown around a lot these days. Worldview. How would you define it? Well, I've got what I think is a pretty good definition of it. Uh, it's basically how you see the world. But I want to give a definition that really it was written a few years ago, uh, but it's still worth repeating. And there was a man named James Sire. He wrote a book called The Universe Next Door. And the premise of that book was that somebody might live like 50 feet away, your next door neighbor, but it's a completely different universe. Uh, let's say in your house you believe in the Bible, you believe in Christ, you believe in morals, personal accountability. Um, next door, maybe they believe in Wicca or witchcraft or they're Buddhist or Hindu or they're relativists and, or maybe they're, they reject the idea that males and females are the only way to understand gender and whatever. It can only be a few feet away, but it might be an entirely different universe. So Sire wrote this definition of worldview, and I want to unpack it just a little bit, because like June of last year, Vice President Pence, he said the next election, November 2020, is not so much a choice between two different candidates, but two different futures. And that's true, two different worlds. And worldview is a set of assumptions which you hold about the basic makeup of the world. A set of assumptions which may be true, may be partially true, might be entirely false, which you hold consciously or subconsciously, consistently or inconsistently, about the basic makeup of the world. And we are definitely in a battle of worldview. Now, you've got to understand, folks, the, the divide of worldview is not shallow, it's deep right now. I mean, when, when, when we're talking about capitalism versus communism, when we're talking about a representative republic versus a socialist, uh, you know, state, I mean, these are fundamental huge differences. And part of the reason we're talking about this is because Christians, citizens, even if you're not an especially religious person, but you are a freedom-loving American, you need to understand how much is at play right now. Well, I'm so excited, folks. Brace yourself. 
grab a stationary object because your world is about to get rocked. We have got an amazing, amazing friend right now in the broadcast booth. Steve Strang is the president of Charisma Publishing. He's, I could tell you a lot about what this man does for God and country. He wrote a best-selling book a couple of years ago called God and Donald Trump. And it, it was really good. It, it made the bestseller list, and it, in my opinion, more accurately than anybody else, Steve Strang got what was going on in the candidacy, the ascendancy, and ultimately the presidency of Donald Trump. And so if you have, you know, followed this, and like every thinking person does, we care about what's going on. And maybe if you're not such a fan of President Trump, hear us out. Uh, Steve Strang has written a new book called God, Tr uh, God, Trump, and the 2020 Election. And he's here, very, very special accomplishment today for the line of fire to have him on. Steve Strang, author, publisher, citizen, Christian, we welcome you to the line of fire, and thanks for making time to join us today. Well, thank you. It's a privilege, and it's nice, Alex, to finally meet you face to face. Exactly. We've talked on the phone, and uh, I've uh, kind of admired your work from afar, but that is true. This is our first face-to-face -face meeting, and it's nice to do radio without any cell phone involved. That's right, and you're better looking than I thought. Uh, well, now uh, we need to get you to an I, ophthalmologist. <laughs> I didn't have a very high <laughs> expectation, but it is good to be with you. You're one of the best uh, interviewers, in my opinion, and it's always a lot of fun. And I think that this book, God Trump in the 2020 Election, is the most important I've written. Of course, I'm really a publisher. I've published over 3,000 books, believe it or not. Praise God. But I felt that when Donald Trump was elected, it was such a miracle that there was a spiritual and really miraculous aspect that was not being told anywhere else. And rather than recruit a writer, I decided to do it myself. And it's opened up all kinds of doors. I've done lots and lots of media, uh, including secular media, that I would have never had the opportunity to talk about spiritual concepts. I was talking about spiritual warfare on Fox and Friends, if you can believe it. Amen. I mean, we didn't delve into it very deeply, but I mean, these things that aren't even discussed in the public square, not even yeah. about Christians. Christians will get over and we'll talk about these basic issues like we got to have judges and, and we're against abortion, all that kind of stuff. But uh, among ourselves, sometimes we'll talk about spiritual aspects, but everything is spiritual, even though we can't see it. I it mean, we, is. We can't see gravity. Uh, we can't see electricity. We can see the effects of gravity and electricity. And so it is with spiritual things. And, and we're in a battle against good and evil. I really do. And it manifests Amen. itself Amen. in political things. But, you know, political systems in and of themselves are not good or bad. It's the people in them yeah. <laughs> that bring their values with them. And we are in a war. And it's not a shooting war, but it's a war nonetheless. And we have got to go to the polls. That's why I wrote this book. Christians are very nice people generally. They tend to be a little bit passive. Uh, they recoil if people attack them, and of course, as you know uh, from firsthand, you get attacked by the left, especially oh. if you don't agree with their political correctness. Let me say, before we go any farther, where can people buy, buy the book? And folks, in the strongest possible terms, I want to emphasize this. You must read, you must, I beg of you to read God, Trump, and the 2020 election by author Stephen Strang. Where can they find it? Anywhere books are sold. You know, it's not that easy to get Christian books into big booksellers, but we've got huge numbers in 
Walmart and Barnes and Noble, Costco, BJ's. Um, I think uh, I saw them in Walgreens. I think or well, CVS, they, one of the big drugstores. You know, there's some distributors that put them even in some grocery stores that I I need to memorize the names. Uh, but they're in parts of the country where I don't live. I mean, we have really gotten the book out there because we want we want people to see what the issues are and. I, I, just, I make the case for even if you don't like Donald Trump's tweets, when it comes to his policies, when it comes to the, to the promises that he made and kept, uh, that we have got to support him because it's going to be very, very nasty if uh, really any of the Democrats get in. I think some are worse than others. I'd, I'd pick a uh, leftist capitalist over a leftist socialist any day of the week. but. And, it, and that would be terrible for all Americans, but we don't want to lose our basic freedoms and especially our freedom of religion. Uh, can you stay for just a couple of more minutes? We've got a brief break. This is The Line of Fire. Alex McFarland here with publisher, author Steve Strang, God, Trump, and the 2020 election, what you need to know. Stay tuned. We're back after this. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. George Washington said, It is infinitely better to have a few good men than many indifferent ones. Welcome back. Alex McFarland here sitting in for Dr. Michael Brown. Very honored to do that and very, very honored to have with us here live in Nashville, Steve Strang, author of God, Trump, and the 2020 Election. Uh, hey, I want to ask you this, and I know your time is, is limited, so thank you. For me. Folks, if you've you got to understand, it's a huge venue, and thanks for coming up here. Um, the spiritual aspects, why, why, let's just say, okay, there are the forces of good, the forces of darkness, and there are evil forces that want America to fail. Why would that be? Well, I believe that God has a plan for America, going all the way back to our founding. And, there, you know, there's always spiritual warfare in every life, in every year, in every day. But it manifests itself in different ways. And, you know, uh, America is good because it's Christian, because of our Judeo-Christian values. Even our foreign aid is a result of the, the Christian uh, charity, so to speak, or at least it would have started that way. Yeah. And Americans, American Christians, I want to make clear as American Christians, has spread the gospel around the world. That will stop if America goes the other direction, just becomes one more socialist nation and there are forces that want to change that to you know to tear down the family to, uh, uh, to be pro-death instead of pro-life I mean all of these are spiritual issues that have become political issues that, but they're really moral issues and the church is the voice of morality the church has got to stand up I have a chapter in God and Donald Trump and also in Trump uh, God Trump in the 2020 election on compromise in the church because I believe that it's compromising the church that's resulted in uh, where we are today. Sure. Well, it was my privilege, full disclosure here, I was very privileged to write an endorsement. Which and I, I want to thank you. It was one of the best, Well, one of the longest, and it was so good we, we barely edited it. And I, I felt very privileged that you would use my endorsement. But um, And again, we've only known each other just a little bit. It's not like we go back a long ways, although I've known of you for a number of years, Steve. But um, I really, I believe this, and folks, I mean, I, 
you should see our house. I stay, you know, shoulder deep in books all the time. And I read your book, Steve, God, Trump, and the 2020 Election, published by, is it uh, Frontline. Well, it's, it's Charisma House, but the imprint is Frontline. Yeah, and folks, honestly, and <laughs> I'm just saying this from the heart, I, I love this nation, you have got to read this book. If if your friends are like never-Trumpers, you got to read this book. But I uh, felt like, Steve, better than any author I had read, you kind of got what's going on. I know you've probably only got time for like a half or one more question, but listen, here, here it is. If... Um, say a Bernie Sanders were to win, uh, or a Mike Blomberg versus Donald Trump, what does that mean for our religious freedoms or even our liberties in general? Well, they're going to pass laws like the Equality Act, which basically criminalizes the Christian point of view on the LGBT issue. That's probably the central thing. But they're going to make things hate speech. They're going to make the church almost go underground or at least stay within our four walls. That, you know, we've seen it happen with these Christian bakers and different things. Uh, Christians are already marginalized in the culture, either in the media or uh, entertainment or politics. Now, in politics, some conservative areas of the country do elect Christians to office, but a lot of that is going to change, and they're going to try to cram their views down our throats. That's what socialism always does. We're talking about the criminalization of Christianity. Yeah, really, and in some parts of the world, even in Canada, they have laws that we would find very repugnant, and somehow, as far as I know, the Christians have been fairly passive with going along, you know, Mm -hmm. just trying to keep their heads down and not get shot. We can't let that happen. We can't wait until that happens to finally speak up. We do have freedoms. We still have a constitution. We can still go to the ballot. There are still more of us than there are of them. And I believe that there's chaos among the Democrats, almost like in the Old Testament, remember, against the uh, children of Israel? You know, sometimes the armies would just have chaos and implode. And we may see that happen, but we cannot be complacent. We cannot assume it's happening. I have a whole chapter in God Trump, the 2020 election, on why Donald Trump might lose. And, And the very number one thing is if Christians are complacent and other conservatives and stay home like they did, a lot of them did in 2018 and like they've done in other settings. And also the other side is so corrupt that yeah. they may try to steal the election in close swing states. Yeah, that's one thing I pray about is voter fraud. And uh, folks, in a few minutes, we're going to have Jim Bolthouse of the presidential prayer team. And there are a few things we want to talk about. But Steve, I want to thank you for doing the hard work of research and writing. And I mean, like, uh, you didn't need to do this. I really think in your book, you've done a service for the country. And I know it's probably, um, uh, in some ways, a thankless job. But thank you for putting out probably the most significant book this year on the election. Well, you're very kind. I did it because I felt... God wanted me to, and I'm trying to be faithful. I mean, Amen. each of us have to be faithful with whatever doors the Lord opens for us. And everybody has a sphere of influence. Maybe not like me as a publisher, but everybody, even the most ordinary citizen, affects 10, 20, 30 people in your family, in your church, in your neighborhood. And we need to speak out. We need to go to the polls. We need to get our friends to go to the polls. Amen. And we need to pray, 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 pray. That, that Donald Trump wins this election, and more than that, that there's a shift in America that results in a great awakening, just not a revival in the church, but an awakening in our culture. Do you have a website? 
we do. It's, it's a shortened version of the book. It's God, Trump, and the 2020 election. I want you to buy it in Walmart and all these other places. Yes. But if you buy it from our website, you get a signed copy. Wonderful. Thank you, brother. God bless you. I know you got a bolt. We'll catch up soon, I hope. I hope. God bless you. We have lots to talk about. Indeed, indeed. Well, thanks. And folks, that's been Steve Strang. He's the publisher of Charisma Charisma Publishing, and his book is God, Trump, and the 2020 Election. And it's one, I've read it. I would urge you to read it. It is a very significant book. And you know what? I mean, I've had, as recently as last week, I had a a pastor say to me, and folks, um, just, you know, my story, I was a youth pastor for 11 years, and we started doing the Truth For New Generation Youth Crusades, and then one day my phone rings and I get to be on American Family Radio Network, and uh, I've been with the Wildmans and Jim Stanley and AFR now for 11 years, but during that time I've pastored two churches, spoken all over the country. I get the fine line of diplomacy that a pastor feels like he has to walk. I, believe me, I understand it. I mean, one day I'm on the radio, another day I'm, you know, doing funerals and hospital visits, and I believe me, I understand. But I, I think God gives we Christians, and certainly people in leadership, whether you're a, a parent, a pastor, a teacher, uh, a mayor, uh, you sit on the finance committee of your church, whomever, But God entrusts us with leadership and influence. Listen, leadership is influence, and we are to be an influencer for God and country. We really are. Now, does that take us out of the comfort zone sometimes? A little bit. And listen, you're you're talking to a, a lifelong introvert. I mean, I was so shy. I couldn't graduate high school because I would not get up and give a speech. And I went to summer school, Southeast Guilford High School, Greensboro, North Carolina, rather than get up and give a speech in an English class so that I could graduate, I went to summer school. So I understand what it means to get out of one's comfort zone. But I'm telling you, in terms of your voice, your influence, your prayers, being a citizen and being a steward of this country and our freedoms. It is time for the 130 million adult Christians to get out of the comfort zone, out there to the front line of the obedience zone, and we've got to take a stand for for the gospel and for our nation. Well, somebody who's done that with his whole life, like few people I know, listen up everybody, Jim Bolthouse. I met him, oh, I don't know, a year, year and a half ago. But the presidential prayer team, uh, Jim Bolthouse, leads that. And they're based out of Arizona, but they're touching our nation. And I love this. On their, on their literature, there's 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 2. I urge then, first of all, that prayers be made for all people, for kings, and for those in authority. Well, Jim, uh, everything that your ministry stands for gets a big amen from me. Mm. But I wanted to thank you. Uh, I kind of corralled you to come up here and be a part of this show today. So thanks for taking time to be with us on the Line of Fire. Well, Alex, it's a real joy to be with you and, and to be with your listeners. And uh, th- this thing that we're at is called NRB, National Religious Broadcasters. And uh, for those that don't know, Jim, it's kind of... I don't know, how would you describe it? The annual trade show of ministries, in a way? It's a gathering of uh, religious broadcasters in a way that uh, doesn't ever happen any other time. 
Yeah. Um, I've been a part of NRB since I was 11 years old. Really? Not. And that's a long time ago. Huh. Of course, they've been around for more than 50 years. But now, I had your, your father a, was an evangelist? Or? My father was in broadcasting. Okay. He first started with evangelism, then went into broadcasting, started the Family Life Broadcasting Network. And, um, and I got involved in radio right out of high school, uh, doing a radio program on, on one of the stations and carried myself through the, to the network and, you know, the typical uh, uh, work your way up the channel as a, as a good uh, son of a, of a president would do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I enjoy it. I enjoy broadcasting. I enjoy the impact it has and the effectiveness it has on people's lives. It's amazing uh, what... Just imagine with me, listener, what it would be like if you couldn't hear this, if you couldn't have Christian broadcasting, you couldn't have that Christian music to sing along with, or to even know if your neighbor or if somebody down the street was a Christian. Exactly. Well, Christian radio is a blessing, and we dare not take it for granted. Folks, stay tuned. Jim Bolthouse of the Presidential Prayer Team, we're going to give some frontline news about the spiritual battle for the future of our country and your future as well. Stay tuned. The Line of Fire is back after this. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Liberty once lost is lost forever, said John Adams. Welcome back to the program. Alex McFarlane here sitting in for Dr. Michael Brown. Hey, we're going to continue talking with Jim Bolthouse in just a second. I want to remind you, though, that our youth apologetics camp is coming up. In fact, I want to tell you about two big things this summer. uh, July 20 through 24, we do our annual apologetics camp for teenagers. We've done it for many years and Last year we had kids from seven states, and it's amazing. Dr. Brown has spoken for us in years past, but we're going to be in western North Carolina. At the, We've rented a camp, and, you know, we do all the fun camp stuff like ropes course and zip lines and all that stuff, but we do 15 sessions with young people about God and country. Now, moms and dads, listen up. If you want to make sure that your kids are prepared to defend what they believe, stand strong, and when they graduate high school, they go away to college, they're not going to become agnostics or socialists. Uh, we would love to talk to you about our camp, what we do. We've been, in, we've been in youth ministry and youth worldview a long time. My website is just my name, alexmcfarland.com, alexmcfarland.com. And then another thing we've got in this summer, The Cove, the Billy Graham Training Center at The Cove. It's been my privilege to be there for a dozen summers. Uh, July 27 through 31, I'll be at the Cove. They've invited me to come and teach Daniel and Revelation, Bible prophecy, mm-hmm. how God writes history in advance. And so I would love to see you at the Cove. And together we'll go through the book of Daniel, the book of Revelation, and uh, that's going to be uh, July 27 through 31. You can go to their website, which is thecove.org, C-O-V-E, thecove.org. Well, uh, let's get in and talk with uh, the president of the presidential prayer team, Jim Bolthouse. And before we go too much farther, Jim, give a website, and then I, I want you to give in a nutshell kind of what your ministry is. But first of all, your website. How can people okay, find well, you? We've made it very easy. Um, you just go to the, to the location of pray.team. That's it, pray.team. And it takes us 
takes you there right to our website. Our regular website is called the presidentialprayerteam.org, which is what we have had since day one, since 2001. But that just is an easier way to remember. Pray.team. And, and what is your mission, really? What are, you, what are you accomplishing? Our job is to encourage Praying America uh, through encouragement and through information. Mm-hmm. How to pray and encouraging them to pray. And following the principle you mentioned at the beginning of the program, which is uh, found in Second Timothy, which is to, first of all, pray for each other, then pray for those in leadership over us. And the promise that goes along, which many times gets dropped off, the promise is that we'll have peace and, and, and goodness within the land. Sure. So it's a great formula if you think about it. Paul said, uh, if you really want to have peace in your land, start by praying. Amen. So that's what we do as a ministry. We're, any way we can think of, including even being on this program today, we're trying to find ways to encourage Praying America to pray for our leaders and others. You know, prayer was a big part of the Constitutional Convention in 1787 that gave us this wonderful Constitution and all of our freedoms and the opportunity for uh, prosperity that we enjoy. I mean, uh, can it be said, Jim, that uh, this country kind of was forged out of prayer, wasn't it? In fact, it almost got uh, uh, forgotten. Uh, they met together, and all they said, wait a minute, we can't do anything until we pray. And they left the place they went, went across the street so they could be in a, in a posture of prayer, and they prayed together before they went in to actually get down to working through the Constitution. That's how important prayer was for our nation. Do you think, you know, here in this election cycle, um, it's gotten rather acrimonious. Mm-hmm. Do you think even some of those that are maybe not necessarily evangelical Christians, maybe not even church-going folk, but people just watching, and, and, and now we see the rise of, you know, uh, Bernie Sanders is defending Cuba and defending the USSR and mm-hmm. socialism and communism, and uh, we've seen, uh, you know, people, e- even non-Christians, that uh, are recoiled at the thought of partial birth abortion. A couple of weeks ago, Bernie Sanders said, you can't be a Democrat and, and not be pro-choice. I mean, to be pro-life means you can't be in our camp and all these things. My point is, do you think even some people are waking up and saying, okay, look, we're in a battle here. This is, uh, this is not just an election. I mean, this is this is a, an arm wrestling match over the DNA of what we are. Do you think that realization is coming on to people? I think so, and I think the key word to think about is the word moral. These are moral decisions. A decision that a person says, is my rights more important than the right of a child? That's a moral decision. And for Christians, it's easy. The Bible's clear on it, the importance and value of life. So when you go to the Bible and use that as your basis for moral decisions, you make good decisions. Unfortunately, that's not how people do it today. Uh, what we want to do is to get people praying because we know that when we pray, we don't energize God. It energizes us. us. We are the ones that participate in God's will for our country. Uh, and that's why it's so exciting to say, instead of um, let's gather a bunch of people to pray and see what God's going to do, let's gather a bunch of people together and find out what God's going to do because we want to be part of it. 
that's what we want to do is we want to get people encouraged to pray and as they do they become in harmony with God's plan isn't that a great calling amen amen um, how long has the presidential prayer team uh, existed it actually started in the year 2000 um, briefly as a group of men uh, trying to be obedient to come together and pray for a president in, in Scottsdale, Arizona. Happy 20th, by the way. <laughs> well, officially we didn't get started until 9-11 hit. Okay. And when that hit, um, it was time to go national. Uh, the seat had already been set to move forward with it. And uh, when it happened, by the following Monday after 9-11, uh, President Bush announced from his uh, from the, um, the garden that there's a website available for people to go to and to pray to, and that's our website, and it took off. Um, it, it went from zero to, by the first week of November, over 50 million visits, which now, today, that doesn't seem like a lot of numbers. Back then, it was oh, unbelievable. Stratospherical. Yeah. In fact, in, in November, we were uh, notified by an organization saying, you are the number one .org website in the world. And that's just because of the motivation of people wanting to pray or do something for our country in a time of crisis. And that really was what, what launched, launched us into what we are today. We've continued with that rich heritage of, of praying, but it's been consistent. From day one, we have consistently, every day, seven days a week, had a group of people, thousands of people, praying for our president and our leadership. That's what I think is. That's the reason why I think so much is happening positively. Yes. In addition to some of the negative things, but just amazing things that are happening in our country because we have uh, uh, seen so much change in the last uh, four or five years. Um, what What do you say to people that um, maybe their clergy or or the people close to them are sort of nominally Christian, but won't touch politics with a 10-foot pole, shall we say. And how do we get them to positively participate in the, the spiritual dynamics that are at play right now and, and pray? Well, politics is a, um, a polarizing process in our country, and it's, you see that more and more each day. Yeah. It doesn't need to be that way. As an organization, we have chosen to be non-political. We don't take sides politically. You won't go to our website and, and see a picture of a leader and have a D or an R or an, e, an I next to them. We don't even do that. We pray for everyone and pray equally for everyone. And that's the key, I think, that we need to have for our country is let's not get into the politics. I know the issues are important and things that you need to do to be wise when you make those choices at the voting booth. But in the meantime, pray for everyone. Again, going back to that verse we were talking about a few minutes ago, Paul was talking to Timothy at the time when Nero was our king, and he was actively going around and killing Christians. Mm -hmm. And yet he said, pray for them. And I think it's because... First he, Timothy 2, 1 yeah. through 2, yeah, pray for the kings. So in that situation, he was basically uh, looking at the Old Testament, and what God promised is that he moves the hands of the king whether they're good or bad, whether it's this way or that way, God is in control. And so we pray for that control to continue no matter who the president is. In fact, I often have told people, if you don't agree with the president, pray for the office. Because and, and the pray office, for his family. And for his family and for all those that influence his life. And there are many people that are in that role. We need to pray for all of them. We had a great friend, Dr. Norm Geisler. He was a great theologian, and he's with the Lord now. He went to be with the Lord last July. Dr. Geisler 
20 years ago plus, I heard him say, prayer is the nerve that moves the muscle of God. <laughs> I like that. Prayer is, I want you to comment on, prayer is the nerve that moves the muscle of God. Jim, what, what might that mean? It's a mystery of how God wants us to be a part of his plan. He doesn't need us, but he wants us to be a part of it, somewhat like a father would want his son to experience one, uh, an accomplishment that a father is doing. It's, it's you want to share that with your family. You want your family to be a part of what you're doing. I believe God's the same way. God wants us to be a part of his plan so that we can feel the accomplishments of being in his will and doing his will and accomplishing uh, what God wants accomplished on earth during this time. Yes, a- absolutely. Uh, folks, if you're just tuning in the line of fire, uh, the voice you're hearing is not Michael Brown. Uh, mm-hmm. Alex McFarland here. Dr. Brown is traveling, and uh, I feel quite honored that he's asked me to sit in for a day or two while he's on the road. And We're coming to you live from the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville, Tennessee. The American Family Association is here that I do radio with, and uh, everybody, goodness, from the Billy Graham ministry on down is here. We're talking with Jim Bolthouse of the Presidential Prayer Team, and I want to ask everybody, uh, if you want to call in, and we've got time for a question or two, here's the number, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. If you want to ask Jim Bolthouse a question about the Presidential Prayer Team, we're going to talk about how you can be involved as well. But I want to ask all of you to pray for this convention. Mm-hmm. Look, everybody is he- every ministry you've ever heard of, and many ministers, great leaders, and we we are seeking revival. We're seeking an outpouring of God's Spirit for this nation, for this world. Like Habakkuk says, that the knowledge of the Lord would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. What a great thing! And we all can play a role in that. You can too. So be in prayer, and we've got a brief break. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk with Jim Bolthouse some more. Eight six six three four eight seven eight eight four. Eight six six three four truth. Your questions, Jim Bolthouse, and more. When the line of fire returns, don't go away. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. You know, whenever I teach on the First Amendment, which includes the what is famously called the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment, that Congress will make no law regarding the establishment of religion nor prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Uh, Jim Bolthouse of the Presidential Prayer Team, the non-establishment clause didn't mean that we have to banish God from American life, uh, does it? Although some assume it means that, but it do- just because the, the government is not going to establish a form of religion doesn't mean that we can't talk about God, does it? No. In fact, if you go back into the put it into historical context, the reason that was put in there was because of what was happening in England with King, uh, with the King James was trying to control what people could read and could not read and what was considered um, true religion and not true religion. And we escaped from that. 
Hmm. I mean, that's the reason America was founded, was because the escape from that for the freedom of saying, we know better. The Bible is now something we can read, and we are reading it, and we're finding out there's much more freedom than we've ever had before. Therefore, America was founded. Because of that, that has a total bearing over everything that was written in our forefathers' work. They came with that understanding that we came for freedom of religion and freedom to have religion. Yes, and uh, you know, um, there's so much we really ought to say about that. Um, I was reading a history book, in fact, secular history books that really were published up until, I don't know, the last 30 to 35 years were just not only very uh, explicitly acknowledging the role Christianity played, but actually are very positive about it. You know, that one writer said this, that the the founders came here to raise their children under the gospel dispensation. I love it. Christianity was the religion of the founders, said this one secular history book, and they expected it to be the religion of their descendants. But I want to change gears a little bit. I want to talk about praying. Uh, true confession here, there have been times that I prayed before I made a decision. There have been times that I ran ahead of God and I didn't pray. And I, I have found out that it it works better when you pray about <laughs> things. Um, talk to me about IPrayFirst.com, because I, I like this. It says the Pray First Network is tools, platforms, resources designed to create an active prayer lifestyle. The reason I'm kind of smiling is I'm a little bit under conviction reading this. Tell we me all, about I Pray are. First. <laughs> we all are. Well, let me give you a bit of history. We were with um, uh, Dr. Black, the Senate uh, chaplain, and uh, he was sharing with us. He said two things that really stuck. One is prayer should be as often and as common as breathing. And second is if, we, if as a country we could put prayer first, it would change us as a nation. I thought... He nailed it. Amen. Uh, on the way home in the in the uh, airplane, uh, it just kind of hit me. What? How do we how do we communicate this? How do we take this and put this out to the masses, to our members, to the world, to the country? And uh, the word "pray first" just came about. And I thought, well, let me share that with some of our friends. And and as I've talked with other Christian leaders, they all go, "Yes, we need this." We need to put something out that helps people put God first. We've shoved God back in our country over the last eight, ten years. God's coming back, but we need to put him as preeminent, like our forefathers had, that God is first. And if we're going to do that, the best way to do that is to say, I'm going to put God first in my life. I want to start with the listener right now saying, I want to commit to saying, I want God's first in my life because I want God's best in my life. And if you surrender and say, I will pray uh, as I hit my feet on the floor in the morning, I'm going to say, God, what do you have for me today? As I'm going to the grocery store, I'm thinking, okay, God, what do you want me to buy that would be the best for my family? I'm going into work in the morning. I'm thinking, okay, God, what do you have for me as a challenge to this day that I can meet and, and be a good testimony so there's, there's things that we can be praying about all day long, and that's really what God wants. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the word that comes to mind is Greek word, one of the Greek words for love, phileo, mm -hmm. which is uh, where we get the word brotherly of love from. And, and it reminds me that God wants to be our friend, and in that process, we can talk with him throughout the day. Amen. So pray first 
is a mean for us to say, I'm going to put God first. I want to start with the people. I want to go to our legislators. I want to go to our uh, Senate. I want to go to our White House people and say, would you join with the rest of this country in saying, I'm going to put God first. Before we vote, before we uh, make decisions on behalf of this country, we're simply going to pray mm-hmm. and ask what God wants for us to do. And, and, and is this a, a website or an app that encourages people to do that? We have taken all the resources of the presidential prayer team. We're now a media company. We're a broadcasting company. We're on 500 radio stations. We're on all these different things. We're all putting it under the hat of Pray First. Pray First Publications, Pray First Media, Pray First. And all we're trying to do is to put a place where people can start depositing things that will be then put back out to the churches and out to individuals and so on. And I really feel that this is a non-threatening thing that we can ask anybody to do. Yeah, Even I a mean. person walking down the street, say, would you pray for me? They'll go, uh, 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 sure, I'll pray for you. Yeah. Um, pray first is important. I think it's something that we can simply push out and have people go, I agree with that. I agree, and I'm going to make that a commitment in my life to put God first. Amen. Well, you know, so many churches, I, I just read an article where evangelism just all over America is uh, flat or non-existent in terms of new convert growth. I mean, there's lateral moves, transfer of letter, but I'm talking, you know, new growth, people being one to Christ and getting in church in many quarters is just not happening. Well, that's something to pray about, isn't it? Yes. Uh, I mean, um, we know that personal change begins with prayer, uh, and by the way, I just want to say this to everybody listening. You, you might be listening and hear Alex and Jim are talking about prayer and the Lord, and it all begins with you coming to faith in Christ personally. And we want to say, just as sincerely as we can, that Jesus loves you. He really does. Jesus Christ loves you. Believe that. And um, Jim, how how easy is it for somebody to come into a relationship with Christ? It's That begins with a prayer, doesn't you it? You almost finished it by just saying, Jesus, I believe who you are and believe that you love me. That's part of the faith process of saying, there is a person that loves me greater than I understand love to be defined to be, and that person has loved me before I was even born. That's the marvel of what's happening with God and through his son Jesus, that we can have a relationship not just um, a worship, a relationship yeah. with this living God in our lives. And to ask him is as simple as taking a faith step and saying, I believe who you are, and I believe that you can do something in my life, and I simply ask you to do that. Wow. So, number one, our message to you, if you've never trusted Christ, do that today. Call on Jesus. I, um, I, so many verses I could give you, but if you will turn to Christ, John six forty is one verse. If you will put your faith in Jesus, he will save you. But as a Christian, and as a person that, if you're like us, we, we do care about the spiritual future of the country. And all, so many of these churches that um, are declining, I read an article, Jim, the, the graying of the American church, mm-hmm. as in gray hair, getting older. Listen. I'm there. Organize, organize a prayer team in your church. And I, the letter I, uh, iprayfirst.com. Um, so you're saying, like, that's a portal where people can learn pretty much everything that you're doing with the prayer team and all? And that's coming. That's not even, that, that's, that's something we're just announcing right now, so you have to hold on. If you want information about what we do, the best thing to do is go to pray.team, 
And as soon as that information's ready to go, and we've got it almost there, we're going to blast it out to the country in many different ways. So you're really hearing about it for the first time right here. Can people, uh, well, wonderful. We're happy to be breaking this news. As the election gets nearer and nearer, mm -hmm. November is coming fast. What can people do in their localities? Are there ways people can volunteer, organize, message, and locally be involved in the presidential prayer team efforts? I think that one of the best ways that you can get involved is uh, finding out information about your candidates and sharing it. Um, honest information about who they are, what they believe, and um, ways in which we can pray for them. We're always looking for y unique and different ways to pray for a person that would uh, put some persona onto a name. So um, if there's information like that, we'd love to be able to take that and, and use it. You're welcome to contact us at the prayer team, and we'll be glad to uh, maybe put you on our writer's list or whatever. Mm -hmm. But we'd love to have information because information is really what drives our entire ministry. Well, I just want to say thank you. I, I know um, going to conferences and such, I know you travel a lot like uh, so many of us do. I know you and your family have invested everything getting this going, and I'm, I'm just thrilled to see how God is blessing you and raising up this ministry. And um, I don't even know all that you do, but I do want to say thank you. Well, thank you so much. And, and folks, uh, listen, th this really is, it's like Mike Pence said in June of last year, the election is about two vastly different futures. Not just two candidates, but two very, very different futures. And that's why we would prevail on you to be involved. And, you know, a president you don't hear a lot about, Grover Cleveland, he was our uh, 22nd and 24th president, interestingly enough. But uh, Cleveland, he, he lived in the late 19th century, died around 1908. But Grover Cleveland said this, now listen carefully. He said, the whole inspiration of our civilization springs from the teachings of Christ and the lessons of the prophets. To read the Bible for these fundamentals is a necessity of American life. Now listen to what he said, and, and we're done. But he said that all men must admit that the teachings of Christ resulted in the purest of patriotism. And so, folks, we need it. Pray, promote, vote, and stand for God and country. Alex McFarland here on The Line of Fire. Glad to have you with us. AlexMcFarland.com.